Two down, any to go? This time on Poll Hub, we're two debates into the 2020 election cycle. So what are the polls showing? And will there be two or even one more debate? Also, the president's COVID infection and how he's handled it. Yep, there are polls for that. And we're going to see what Americans are thinking about all the drama surrounding the most famous coronavirus patient in history. A lot to talk about, so let's get to it. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper, Director of Innovation here at the Marist Poll. And I'm Barbara Carvalho, Director of the Marist Poll. And I'm Lee Marengoff, Director of the Marist College Institute for Public Opinion. As we gather here today, uh, we are about one full week since uh, the President of the United States, uh, in a tweet, told us that he was infected with COVID-19. Um, and since then, it's been a year. No, no. Since then, it's been a week um, or six days of a huge number of developments and a lot of drama. I'm not going to go through it all because the podcast would be over by the time I got to the end of it. Um, <laughs> but we do have polls. We have, you know, people have been asking questions of Americans about how they think of all this. And remembering that a poll is a snapshot in time and there's a new development on this front almost every day, uh, it is worth looking at some of these uh, and asking the question at least politically, and I know it's a medical condition for the President of the United States that is potentially deadly, but a lot of this is framed in politics, and what are the polls showing? Well, I think when you're also looking at the what's changing every day, uh, Jay, it's also, we seem to hear of another prominent Republican testing positive as well, um, and this issue being not uh, um, not only about the president, but also about the White House, House staff and the super spreader event, which uh, was the nomination of the, uh, the, the current uh, for a, a person for the uh, current uh, Supreme uh, Court seat, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. So um, there, as you mentioned, there have been lots of polls out, but we can barely do the polls before there seems <laughs> to be another issue. So um, we, we've seen quite a number of them out um, on the topic of uh, COVID uh, and, the, and the president's uh, role um, in, in handling this, not just for the country now, but for himself as well. And um, a Reuters Ipsos poll, um, which was out uh, just at the beginning of this week, uh, done over, over the weekend, uh, looked at him and looked at uh, the question of whether uh, the president could have avoided being infected if he'd taken the virus more seriously. And interestingly enough, 65% of voters agree with that statement. Nine in 10 registered Democrats, not surprisingly. But I think it is surprising to see that uh, five in 10 registered Republicans also felt the same way. And I think we see this um, through many of the, um, uh, the polls that were done, a lack of trust uh, in what the president says about, um, about the virus itself. A majority of voters uh, do not trust uh, the president occurring to, according to a, uh, um, a, a Yahoo YouGov uh, poll. Uh, and also the fact that they, they also don't trust the White House uh, to be candid about what the president's position is. So again, feeding this whole 
um, lack of trust in institutions that we've seen, not just with regard to the pandemic, but with so many issues and so many institutions uh, that uh, really that make up our country and are the foundation of our democracy. Yeah, well, it's all blending. It's, uh, you know, as you guys are talking about, it's all blending into sort of like this blob of information that's just you know, probably putting us all on a little bit of overload. And in a sense, that's part of what Donald Trump's problem has been, is that this is, you know, too much drama at this point. And I think people are getting fatigued by just the whole daily whirlwind of activity. But here's the thing about COVID that I think is important from a political standpoint. And as you said, Jay, it's obviously a health issue, uh, but nothing with a presidential election where people are already voting and November 3rd is just right around the corner. Uh, we can't uh, avoid uh, politics in it. But uh, yeah, Joe Biden was already doing much better in terms of, as you said, Barb, and trust on handling the coronavirus. Uh, that's before this. The president and his team has wanted to pivot and talk about the economy. And they've sort of tried to get past from day one, really, uh, downplaying uh, what the, the virus was about. So in a sense, having all of this discussion now about the president actually having COVID uh, is, uh, you know, just from a topical standpoint, the, the White House's biggest uh, nightmare at this point in an election where the president is trailing. Um, and as you say, it's about trust. And then, on, you know, the event on the, on the White House lawn where so many of the uh, White House folks have now tested positive. I mean, it's just one nightmare after another. And then people are now saying in greater numbers, as you said, Barb, that they're concerned that they might get it or someone that they know might get it. It, it the president didn't take enough precautions. It just doesn't seem like this issue is going away anytime soon with so many states now indicating higher caseloads, higher people getting infected, greater numbers. Um, it's just such a long way we were, uh, yeah, I know Barb and I, we were, we were at the, uh, the president the, on the eve of the New Hampshire primary uh, at his rally in Manchester, New Hampshire. And at that point, it was real early. Uh, I think we've come a long way from that in terms of trust. And there's you know, 200,000 Americans and 7 million uh, cases later. Um, it's just, uh, just, you know, just totally dominating our, 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 our you know, outlook right now in terms of what's going on politically. Is there anything in the polls that we've been doing, <clears throat> whether nationally or in the battleground states, or anything you've seen in any polls that would indicate that um, what the president is kind of, the, 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 the thing he's trying to turn on now is that it's not that serious. He's apparently, or he claims to have recovered, uh, that a drug that was available to him was a, a cure, he's calling it this kind of sense of downplaying it, uh, which has happened throughout, but, but personally downplaying it after personally being infected, is there anything that indicates that that is a winning strategy in any not, of the polls? Not yet. And, you know, it may be a little early. You know, we're now polling will be, you know, out uh, later next week um, with another poll, as, as I suspect another, a number of other uh, polling organizations uh, will be polling, you know, regularly through election day. But I, I think it's I think it's hard. Um, certainly, that argument that the president has been making resonates uh, with his base and resonates in particular 
in particular with people who don't know someone um, who has had COVID or haven't had you know, personal experience of which you know, many people among his base are, are in that group. Uh, being, uh, you know, if you, if you tend to live in a, a more rural area, which, uh, we've certainly seen um, the you know, you know, uh, hotspots uh, be somewhat more related to clustered housing, um, urban areas um, where people tend to, to, to congregate. So if you don't know someone, um, but then again, they, we now all know that, you know, about the president. So I, I don't know whether that's going to um, keep people from, um, you, know, uh, you know, make people feel better about this. I know that a couple of things we do see in the polls. One is that more people are worried about becoming infected. Uh, we also see that the president's support is certainly not as strong among people uh, age 65 or older. And, or, more, or more concerned about healthcare. And, and, well, they're more concerned about healthcare and they also tend to be more in uh, you know, the risk group for, for getting COVID. So I think the combination of those two things, we'll have to see if um, you know, the president's now personal experience and the fact that he feels that you know, he has been cured with this, um, um, you know, with this experimental drug um, and uh, the um, the steroids that he's been that he's been given, um, uh, and and see how that really resonates. Yeah. But I, right I'm now, no. Barb, I want to go in a slightly different direction from Jay's question, and that is, I think this is exactly what the problem the president has. Um, you know, with talking about he got a cure, a lot of people don't think they would have had access to the kind of health care that he got. One, two, he flip flop on whether there's gonna be a, an aid package now available, and this is all in the last couple of days, um, you, know, you know, whether he would support, the White House would come to bat for people who are facing unemployment and rent and, and, and medical cares and all that. And so I think that's, a, a, again, a lack of sensitivity on his part. And then also I think the photo with him taking the mask off on returning to the White House was, you know, for his base might have looked like he wasn't going to let this rattle him. But I think for way more than a majority of the country, this sort of just looked like a tone deaf kind of thing for someone who had just gone through what he went through. I, so I just think politically, it's just a disaster. Before we move to the debate, I just want to say one other thing. We, we've done a series of focus groups where we've been asking mm -hmm. uh, voters in battleground states. And one of the things that struck me when we were talking to persuadable voters in some of these battleground states, as we talked extensively about COVID and the president's reaction to it, this was before the, he was he was infected. But one of the things that we heard repeatedly from the people who were kind of the strongest Trump supporters, even though they're on the fence, they're you know they wanted they they felt like they wanted to support him, was when you asked them about COVID and his response, they said, well, he did the best he could, and I think that was a legitimate response. I mean, it is a legitimate response. I think you could make that argument legitimately. Um, you know, looking at all the facts and not be called, you know, a crazy person. I wonder if that argument with them still holds after these last, these last six days, that he did the best he could with the, given the situation at the time and what we've just seen doing the best with the given situation. I just wonder if that yeah. is going to change if we were able to talk to those people again, if they'd say the same thing. 
Yeah, I, it's funny you're, you're saying the best he could, and I know that a lot of Biden supporters are saying he's good enough, meaning Joe Biden is. So I think we're lowering the bar a little bit, and people are willing to accept uh, the best thing they can they have going. One quick question on this before we move on to the debates: What do you think about the impact on the Senate races and how um, how the president's uh, weakness in the polls? Uh, is affecting some of these Senate candidates who might be in vulnerable seats uh, on the Republican side in terms of debates and, and their campaigns. I don't know, any, any feelings on those? Uh, it, it seems to me that, that in a year like this, what we've seen in the past in other potentially wave elections is that the Senate seats break in the same direction as the, the presidency. Mm -hmm. So I, I know there are individual races with individual issues in individual states and everything is, you know, all politics is local, Tip O'Neill. But I, okay. I don't think in this case, I think we do have history to suggest that um, whichever way this goes, if Donald Trump was to lose by 10 points, these Senate seats are going to Democrats. If he loses by five points, maybe not. If he wins, certainly not. Mm -hmm. I think that's how this works, how this works. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think uh, some of them are trying to figure out how to put a little distance in here. But we've been talking about the, the, the debates. And uh, as you said at the top, Jay, we, we, we've had a presidential debate. We've had a VP debate. Uh, we may or may not have another debate, uh, given the, the, the latest uh, developments. Um, yeah, let's, let's just lay the ground okay. here because we yeah, have go, no go idea. By the, by the time this is edited and out, which is a very short turnaround, this story could have changed eight times. As we sit here right now, the president is not going to go to the third debate, the second, excuse me, presidential debate, because the commission said it was going to be remote. It's basically going to be a Zoom call, and he's not going to do it. But for now, yeah, and anyway, go ahead. I, I, thought, I, I must say, I thought one of his reactions tweeting was, uh, was somewhat priceless. Uh, the debates that are virtual would be com on computers, and they could cut you off whenever they want. So <laughs> let's talk about the first debate about people cutting you off whenever they want, I guess. Or not. Some, or not. I guess sometimes moderators have it. So wh what about the first debate? And then we can talk about the I, I'm going to I'm going to stick to the polls. And, it, and you know, <laughs> what, what was interesting is that um, the debate polls were ba barely out when, uh, you know, when uh, we were turning things around on uh, the, the, the president's uh, medical diagnosis. Um, but um, the, the president did, didn't do himself very much good um, in the in the first debate. Um, most of the most of the polls, uh, you know, do point to um, Americans, uh, um, you know, discontent and disapproval of the intensity of the debate, uh, how disruptive um, the debate was, and I think the one of the most telling factors is when. Uh, all of these, all of these polls, an NBC News, Wall Street Journal poll, uh, a CNN uh, national poll, those both were national polls showing uh, the first showed a plus 14 uh, points for Biden in the toss up, the CNN poll showing a plus 16. I mean, I think those were very wide, but they were in reaction to the debate. I know the NBC poll had a rather wide um, difference between Democrats and Republicans in that poll. In the, sample. In the yeah. sample. I think Democrats were plus nine there, so that could add a little bit. But we've seen in the state polls, too, a widening. Um, the Siena New York Times in Arizona, a plus eight. Um, they also did Pennsylvania, a plus seven, along with Monmouth, who also had a plus eight in Pennsylvania. 
So, um, and also a plus five in Florida. So those are all the key states. We saw an enormous widening of the race after the debate. And I think that's probably the most telling um, you know, indicator of, um, you know, of what Americans uh, thought about that debate. And many, many, many Americans tuned in, hoping to get um, informed about the issues, uh, perhaps to also root for their side, but um, it certainly took a very different turn than uh, debates we have seen in the past. Yeah, and I think what talking and as the tone of what we're saying uh, on this podcast is, you know, you better really check the field dates of any poll because there's so many cataclysmic events occurring. Uh, I don't know if they're really changing the trajectory of this race, uh, but they're sort of making it a little wider right now for, for uh, Joe Biden as the challenger. And I think that that's, you know, something to keep, a, keep an eye on. Um, uh, just the field dates. When were they in the field? Was it after the first debate? Yes. Was it before or after the president's getting sick? Uh, depends. And then, of course, now we have the second uh, vice presidential debate, um, which, uh, you know, was an event all unto itself. So, yeah, let's talk about that real quick, uh, because that just happened. I, I think the first presidential debate, for all of the uh, fire and heat that it, it, it came from it, the diagnosis of the president with COVID, uh, we stopped talking about the debate very quickly. And so mm -hmm. I think whatever impressions people had were baked in and then further baked in by the SNL <laughs> cold open on Saturday night that kind of baked in what, the, what we thought about the debate. What about the VP debate? As we sit here today, nothing's baked in. It only happened uh, less than 24 hours ago. Uh, can it change the trajectory? Can anything change the trajectory is probably a better question, but can it change the trajectory? Well, did the numbers again. Anybody any good? Yeah, Jay. The numbers, the immediate poll reaction, uh, the immediate polls that were taken in reaction to the debate, uh, which sometimes aren't as you know when things bake in as much, um, did show that uh, men broke about even, uh, but that women were two to one uh, in uh, Kamala Harris's favor in terms of uh, handling the debate. Um, and I noticed as we're talking, there's a little black speck on my screen as we're looking remotely on everybody. But in this case, when I move my head, the speck stays where it is. So it's You're not, not going to make a fly joke. Well, do you see the speck that I see or no, you don't? Barb, I think, I think it's time for you to do a Kamala Harris here and tell him that you're speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Dapper. <laughs> you know, um, uh, Lee and I were chatting with uh, some uh, Marista alumni and friends yeah. of the college. Um, that was fun. The night before um, the, the vice presidential uh, debate. And, um, you know, one of the folks asked us, um, you know, is there anything that can actually shock voters um, this time? In other words, change, somehow change um, the trajectory uh, of this race, or is it all just about mobilization? So your thoughts? Well, I, I would just say, you know, October surprise, you know, would be- But, but, a, but can we? I mean, can we would, really- Would be a quiet I mean, day. Will people, what, I mean, surprised about what? Yeah, yeah, I, well, I think we've passed I mean, that. Lee, that's, that's my question. Yeah. Is, there, is there literally anything that could change the course of this race right now because we have not seen movement. Essentially, no pollster has seen any movement over any period of time. I mean, you, you do it on a day-to-day -day basis, but if you look over a monthly period of time, there has been essentially no change. No change. No. All year. 
Well, well I think I think one of the things that that I look at is um, you know in addition to um, you know the questions we ask about the race and the matchup, we also ask about how people are going to vote, uh, when they're going to vote. Um, mm -hmm. and, and their thoughts, you know, about voting. And there's a very significant uh, difference uh, between Democrats and Republicans, as we have, we have all seen, and most of the polls have been showing, and that Republicans are likely, most Republicans are likely to show up on election day uh, to vote. Uh, most Democrats right now are likely to either show up at a, um, a uh, early voting place or even more likely to uh, cast a ballot by mail. And, uh, you know, fraud, fake news, and, um, you know, rigging the election aside, um, it is more difficult to be counted accurately um, if, if you are mailing in your vote. It's just, it's just a tougher process, um, particularly in states that are not used to doing that. Uh, New York certainly um, has, you know, was a good example of that in our primaries this year. Yeah, Pennsylvania, <laughs> Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is going to have a very difficult time. States that where you have not had a process for mailing in a vote, they also have a very cumbersome method by which you have to vote. So it's about filling out the form properly, putting it in the correct envelope, sealing it properly, um, and all of those come into play and are, are evaluated. Whereas if someone just shows up to vote, they have a great, much greater likelihood of, of that casting that ballot and having that ballot counted quickly um, and accurately. So um, it's not that there's, uh, that there's a necessarily a, you know, a rigged problem or there's intentional fraud. But but it but the but the structure of voting, the process of voting, um, is is a difficult one that some of the states uh, will not be very well prepared to do uh, because of the because of the uh, the pandemic and the fact that people are changing the means by which they intend to vote. Yeah, yeah, and I guess to answer your question, Jay, I would go down the line of saying, you know, any more surprises? Well. Let us assume that the health of all the candidates stays pretty much the way it is. Yeah, that would be the one I would say is the wild card, but let's not go there. Yeah, we're not going to go there. But, uh, you know, I mean, I think that's what we've seen, how fragile things can be. Uh, and uh, this, before we leave, though, a little bit more reaction to the two vice presidential candidates and the, the more recent debate, and then maybe talk about what's going on for the future. But uh, any takeaways from the... Uh, the Harris. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a fan Pence. of I'm a fan of Susan Page. Um, I think moderators right now are in an impossible position. Yeah. Um, it's not. I don't think it's really up to them to force candidates to answer the question that they've asked. Mm -hmm. um, I thought uh, that uh, she she was incredibly professional um, and. Um, you know, she she was very fair um, in terms of having to keep the vice president uh, to time. Um, I don't quite get the the you know talking past time and kind of filibustering you know the the debate. Um, it it kind of, it actually kind of confuses me. <laughs> so um, you know, so I thought that was odd. Um, certainly, it was. A much more substantive debate by both of the candidates, even if they didn't answer 
the questions that were asked. And I thought Kamala Harris actually accomplished what she really had to do, which was introduce herself to a broad audience of the American people, American voters, tell them her biography, uh, and uh, basically show that she was going, that she was committed to, the, to supporting um, the presidential candidate who, who chose her. So Lee, here's the deal. Uh, Trump supporters that are voting for Trump love Trump. People who are voting for Biden in general, they hate Trump. (laughs) Whether they like Biden or not, they hate Trump. I don't think that this debate changes that in any way, shape, or form. If everything else that's happened has not changed the trajectory of this race, that very normal, which is a good word right now, debate, I don't think changed a thing. Oh, no, and, and I do, and I, I, I agree with you, and I agree with Barb. I mean, we, you know, Chris Wallace uh, uh, and also, and Susan Page, I mean, different style and how they wanted to handle it, but you can't get the candidates to respond if they don't choose to, and you can... They're consummate, they're both consummate professionals. Yeah, and so... Uh, yeah, so I think, you know, that they did what the candidates, um, the candidates did what they wanted to do, and... You know, you know, they didn't happen. Like you said, second debate BP, we did get answers. They just didn't happen to match up to the particular questions. But you could re-edit everything and change the questions and probably get a more give and take. Or you could play game of concentration, too, where you try <laughs> and remember where I, I mean, that could work, too. Yes, anyway. Well, I'm sure we will have a lot more to talk about uh, next time. Uh, but that will do it for this edition of Poll Hub. Poll Hub is a production of the Marist Poll at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Thank you to Mary Griffith, our executive producer, uh, Casey Schaff, our editor, uh, and uh, a special thank you to Amelia Morell, who, uh, who pitched in a little extra while uh, Mary was, uh, was at a conference uh, honing her skills for, fo- for doing focus groups in the future. Uh, so thank you, Amelia, for uh, keeping us on track and counting us down. Also, thanks to Leo Ruiz, Madeline Jones, and Marcello Bettman, our production assistants. And to the Roper Center Archives. We like to look at debates in the past and see if they made a big impact. It helps us better understand what's going on with how these debates might or might not change the trajectory. But uh, they provide lots of survey questions and lots of results over time. And we you know, rely on them to kind of guide us through some of this. And questions or comments or anything you would like to know, let us know. Best way to do that's on social media. You can uh, find us at Marist Poll on Twitter, Marist Poll on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to learn more about polling and a lot of the stuff we talk about, Online Academy. We've talked about it before. Go to our website. It's a tab on our website called the Marist Poll Academy. It's visual, engaging. It's like we always like to say, like it's a Crazy Eddie commercial. And it's free! <laughs> I dated myself with the Crazy Eddie reference, but what? You sure did. <laughs> finally, if you like what you're on Poll Hub, please consider leaving a review on the podcasting app of your choice. Positive reviews help us, help other people find us. And so if you like the, the podcast, it's a great way to let other people know about it without you know standing on street corners and shouting, go pull up. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe. <laughs> if you don't know who Crazy Eddie is, just Google it, look at the YouTube ad, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Weren't his prices insane? They were insane. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you next week, and uh, be safe out there.